from Hans Oval to Durian Bay Sports Ground, Boulder City to Cable Beach, Pilbara to Peel, covering footy in regional WA. This is the WA Country Footy Podcast. Hello, welcome to week five of our WA Country Footy League podcast. I'm your host, Glennie Wilson. Absolute pleasure to be with you talking about local footy that's going on right across our state. From the East Kimberley Footy League all the way through to the Esperance District Football Association. We've got lots going on. We're hitting finals actually down in Esperance this week. Uh, We've had finals up in the East Kimberley. And we've got a whole lot of other things that are happening throughout the middle of Western Australia today. And we do concentrate on a little bit around the middle. We'll be catching up with the Central Midlands Coastal Football League around Cervantes and Ledge Point. Durian Bay will have a bit more when Dale Simmons catches up with us towards the end of the podcast. We'll also hear from Glenn Barden. Now, Glenn is a familiar voice to the great Northern Football League. He's also a Glenn with two ends, and I love that, being one of the same. Uh, but we'll hear from him about how the 60th anniversary has gone for the GNFL this year, just exactly what Cyclone Sorosia meant for the community and how football is getting together to talk about and to help out many other organisations in the community. Truly outstanding. But our first guest on this week's WA Country Footy League podcast is a guy who brings up 350 games this week. Unbelievable when it's at local footy and at a level where, you know, you're right in the guts, you're at the grassroots, you're doing absolutely everything around the club. And Michael Belline, he plays 350 games for the Federals Footy Club out of the Avon Football Association. He's our first guest on today's, or this week's, whatever episode it is, the WA Country Footy League podcast. This is the WA Country Footy Podcast. It is a massive week for the WA Country Footy League right across the state. We've got finals that are happening. There's grand finals around the place. There's the last few rounds before finals, but there's also one player playing his 350th game. A very remarkable story. We see it happen in the AFL. Well, not too often in country footy when it's week in, week out, toiling away. I tell you what, it can be a bit of a grind, especially if you're spending the season down the bottom end of the ladder. But joining us today, Michael Bulleen, he joins us from Fetties out of the Avon Football Association. Bully, congratulations. You're bringing up game 350 this weekend, mate. Well done. No worries. Thanks for that, Glenn. Yeah, um, finally got there. It's been a while after COVID, after last year, sure, last year, but um, finally getting stuck into it this year. I had a few setbacks this year, but on Sunday, I'm not wasting any time to get it done. Mate, I want to know about every single game over 350 of them since the first season in 1996 for you. No, I'm just joking. Uh, mate, yeah. <laughs> but I do want to go to the start. Take us back to 1996 and getting involved in Fetties. How did that happen? Uh, it happened after Fetties Juniors. Um, I've, I've done a 15. We didn't have any um, Colts or anything like that. We straight into the um, reserves. Um, and that's my brothers and all my other mates. Uh, I started playing for them as well. I thought I'd just join in. And, and now I'm here and went from there and... Yeah, um, it's been good the last 25 years and haven't looked back since. So it's been good. There's been a few changes in the Avon Football Association since then too, hasn't there? Um, some of those off the top of your head, mate, a new facility at Jubilee Oval is obviously something pretty nice. Yeah, we did have Jubilee over there. Now we've changed that over to the old Hendy uh, Street Oval uh, where we um, where new facility and stuff is now. So, um so, but do miss the old Jubilee Ovals, one, one of the best com, one of the best Ovals in the competition back yeah. in the days. But um, yeah, no, but yeah, been a few changes around around these associations. So yeah, so yeah, pretty good though. What have you? What haven't you done in those twenty five seasons? <laughs> you're the people's president. You dubbed through the uh, through the club, yeah. mate. But what is it that you haven't? I suppose 
rubbing blokes down or whatever? You you haven't jumped uh, in the, uh, helping each other out? I've been sober for most of the game, so that's why I run a bonus. So that's <laughs> <laughs> always, always have quite a few, few chinnies on a Saturday night or Friday night and, um, yeah, go out and and have a few more afterwards. <laughs> so this was part of your contract negotiation too, is it, if you have served correctly. How did that all come about? Yeah. Oh, you know, just one of the live members, mate, and just one of the boys, you know, just, I'm just a lovable kid, I guess, a lovable bloke around the town, around the town, around the footy club, I guess. Um, yeah, just, I always had a smile on my face and, uh, yeah, just, just live and love love footy. Just love the club. Just love the club, mate, and it's great to see because 350 games is no easy task. Has there been some seasons? You've only tasted success twice, though. Have you? Has there been some seasons where you go, oh, stuff this, I'm, I'm getting on in age, surely. You've got to hang the boots yeah, up Yeah, that, that would happen probably about two years ago. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, about a long time ago, but I said, uh, wake up every morning, those sore ass, and kept thinking that's not going to be my last game for the year, but I just kept, kept going again and, Nothing beats when you wake up in the mornings and hang over stuff like that. But you still go next week at training and do it over again next week. You've had some good teammates over that time. Is there any that come to mind when you think of, geez, 25 seasons worth of numpties, some of them others' best mates? Oh, yeah, we had quite a few, mate. Um, back in the days, he used to play for us back in the days. His name was still Brendan Marshall, and he's still playing down in Perth. That's all yeah, stuff best league at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, we had quite a few. Um, another one used to be on the Eagles list, someone called Brad Smith. Um, he was a good idol as well too, and, and um, got one of my mates playing played over 400 games. It's called um, Freddie Hunter. He's one of the best mates. So um, yeah, it's just um, it's a lot of people. Um, yeah, just over 25 years, and we had a lot of people coming in and out of the club, and they've been awesome. Tell us through your kicking style. Has that changed in 26 years or 25 years or so? I've, I've uh, noticed that there's uh, this little stutter that's come in recently. Yeah, I'm just my legs are getting shorter by the age, so yeah, so I'm not I can't really make the distance anymore, so I tell the guys to lead up to me. Or if I'm playing the four line, I start to stay in the goal square and they kick it over to me. So yeah, it's not that same far I go. I see one of these recent goals from you and you're probably, I don't know, forty metres out or thereabouts <laughs> on a very big angle, uh, and you've just nailed it and I don't think there was anyone happier. It took about three minutes for some of your teammates to get over to you. That's how excited you were. Yeah, well, that's just, uh, that's when it happens when you close your eyes and think you've got to go through. And I looked up and it did. And I put a bit of celebration on for the boys and for the crowd. And, yeah, just love kicking goal here and there. You, you are much loved around the club, which is great to see, mate. And the Fetty's Football Club, what does it mean to you? Oh, it means like a step night, mate. Uh, like a, it's like a family. They're great folks and people and good community. Um, no, it's like a family, mate. And it's just um, it's great to be around and... Everyone has a great time together. No, no, it's just great. And I, no, no, like I said, it'll be 25 years for them, and I hope I get a couple more years in front of me. But no, they're a great team, great, um, great people. And um, yeah, no, can't be more proud of playing for Fetty Footy Club. There was a special day that was earlier this season. It was uh, dubbed Kane's Day uh, around the 6th of June, I think it might have been, if, uh, if, if I serve myself correctly. Um, uh, forgive me if the date's incorrect, but um, th- that must have been a big day for the club, uh, losing young Kane last year. Yeah, exactly, mate. It was, it was uh, very sad as well, too. He's, he's another young fella coming through the ranks for, uh, for the footy club. Great kid. Doing for you. He's always got a great smile on his face. And I'm like, yeah. It was a very big day. We had uh, played against Beverly that day, and um, unfortunately, um, before the second quarter, I, I pulled my hamstring, so I went down uh, just for half time. So that's another setback I had this year. Uh, yeah, but no, Kano is much love, mate, and um, yeah, we're playing this year actually for him, and um, hopefully, yeah, we've got you know, 
keep mm. Trent going for him. Absolutely, mate. Some, some much love there for a young fella in the community. Uh, and it was also Danny. great to see both teams get together for that. I, I saw some footage of that earlier this season, which was just outstanding. Mate, um, those two premierships, though, we, we only ever remember the good ones, and they're the premierships, <laughs> don't we? We don't, we don't remember losing by a oh. point in the grand final. No, I forget about those ones. <laughs> <laughs> Talk us through those two premierships. When was the first one? Uh, first one was 2015. We had Brendan Parker coaching us. Um, you see from the Small Districts Football Club. Yep. Um, yeah. Um, what I think. Well, I think we finished that third or fourth for that um, that year, and we ended up beating Beverly in Beverly in the grand final. Um, so you know, I think Beverly finished on top all, all year. We finished like I said, around third or fourth and knocked them off. Yep. So um, that was a, a my first um, league grand final win. So it was pretty awesome session. I was done about twenty five, and like I said, yeah, I was just celebrated nearly for about a week that. That um that time yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah, yeah I could just imagine yeah. that was 2015 was it yeah 2016 yeah uh, another Markle year mate back to back same coach Brendan Parker um again I think it's about third or fourth and then we played um railways another other northern team here in um northern here um so we undefeated all year and I would um end up winning like about five six goals and that was another another long week and that and yeah and I was back to back premiers and yeah it was bloody, it was bloody awesome mate the, the beers are flying everywhere that day. <laughs> Mate, <laughs> what is it with the celebrations? Fettis, is it a tradition to go a week to, to recognise the, the celebrations or what? Oh, yeah, we probably do it in and out every weekend, but we just love them. Then come grand finals, we just love to get years finished, mate. You know, everyone gets on the piss afterwards, having a good time and saying what a great year for a bunch of guys we had. And just, uh, we, we love doing it. You know, we've, we'll probably come first every year in that, in that, in that place. Yeah. Win or lose a draw. Now, so. tell, t- tell us about what happens with your club function bombies. Uh, oh. What goes on here? Is it something that should be kept within the four walls of the club or is this something to, to just hang your hat on? No, I think everybody knows what I do. I, I started doing it back in the days, but there's no water involved. It's just off the bar or off the top of the bar or top of the pool table. We're just, just like doing more bombing, just like just on the concrete or the sand or the grass, whatever it is. Everybody yeah, egged me on. I thought after a few more, after a few guineas, I said, "Yeah, no worries, my good thought." Just a few oh, things to get everyone happy. Just keep everyone even, everyone happy and sane. And um, yeah, everyone, and yeah, everyone pats me on, and off I go. I'm going home. Uh, you've got you're pretty renowned for keeping four pistons pumping during the day, but it goes up <laughs> an extra notch at night, doesn't it? They tell me. Oh, it certainly does, mate. We didn't have to play. Stuff you've, you've just played finish reserves, doesn't matter if it's finish reserves, whatever. Have a few, like I said, have a few tinnies after the shower, after the game, and watch they grab play. Time they finish, and I'm, I'm pumping up many five or six pistons going then. So, yeah. So, four during the day, we're running around the footy oval. Yeah. After third quarter time, I've only got like one piston left. So, then I have to everyone get, to get the fifth one going probably at eight o'clock at night. <laughs> <laughs> mate, <laughs> mate, it's been a good season for you. You've picked up some good wins in the resis throughout the year, haven't you? Yeah, we um, had a couple of few wins. We played, um, we had a good win, uh, would have been a few weeks ago against Tundee. Um, yeah, we've, it's been a good year. Oh no, that's, the position of Latimer's bugger all for us. We're just like, they were young side, we group and made, and we're going to have a crack at it next year, so not too bad at all. How often do you consume a steak sandwich in a week? Uh, probably every weekend. <laughs> 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 it's a few beers flowing as well, too. Yeah, I can just imagine. You sound like an absolute character around the club, mate. And 350 games is no easy thing to accrue, especially in country footy, as we know. And, and week in, week out, yeah. you talked about your hamstring being a bit of a concern for you earlier. How's your body, though, feeling into uh, game 350? 
Yeah, good. I um, not so bad at all. I got knocked in the head last week. I put enough stuff, and I'm going out there this week in the court. Uh, but uh, the body feels all right. Didn't train this week. So I don't get any injuries because I'm getting older. So I put enough stuff in, and I wait for Sunday so it goes. Oh, fantastic, mate. Good to hear from you. I hope everything goes well for the weekend. It's a big weekend for you. 350 games. Outstanding, mate. We wish you all the very best of luck with the games this weekend. And, uh, well, well done, son. No worries. Thanks, thanks, man. Thanks, cheers, mate. Thank you. This is the WA Country Footy Podcast. It is the WA Country Footy League podcast, and we are into week five. Now, I have tempted on a couple of occasions to talk to the uh, Great Northern Football League, but we want to talk more about the GNFL today. And we get the opportunity. Glenn Barnan's seen a lot of footy with the GNFL over his time around the place. He gets to see it again still week in, week out, and he joins us for a bit of an analysis, you know, if you like, across the competition of that has been the 60th year of the GNFL, which originally, Glenn, they tell me, was the GN. NFL when it formed back 60 years ago. Hello, mate, and welcome to our podcast. Yeah, g'day, Glenn. Lovely to be with you. Yes, it was the Great Northern National Football League, as many leagues were in those days. The National fell away, but we're still the GNFL. I'm pretty proud of it, too. We've got a really good competition here, have had for 60 years. Of course, it's ebbed and flowed. Of course, the AFL footy has taken a little bit away from country footy, but we still develop some great players here in the GNFL. Oh, speaking of which, mate, 35-odd players have come through that talent pipeline, whether they've gone direct through the Sharks or via a great relationship that you've got with East Fremantle through the uh, the state system or gone straight into the AFL system as well. Yes, it's a very special breeding ground that we have here. And we've still got some good players coming through in the next few years. I think you'll see a couple more come through. But, of course, we've been lucky enough this year to get Harry Taylor, mm. who has gone the full gamut. He started footy here went to East Fremantle, then went on and had a marvellous career at Geelong, had premiership success, and now is back playing for Northampton, which is a wonderful story and has really given the GNFL a really, really nice boost this year. Glad just from that involvement, and I, I know Harry's been you know, one of, one of our radar for our podcast, but uh, getting up to speak at the 60 years, getting heavily involved in the recoveries from, from Cyclone Saroja, which we'll talk about as well, um, it must be just pretty inspiring to have somebody who's played at the top level, is an AFL Life member, coming back to give back at this level, at, at, at the very essence of his start of his career. And that's the quality of the man. He's always been great. Throughout his career, he's always given back to the great Northern Footy League and all the clubs. He's always been himself, made himself available. He coaches the young players here in development and continues to do that. But what the great thing is about Harry, Harry has come back, but he's still a pretty good player. He didn't come back when he was finished and done and shot. His still body is pretty good. He's very, very fit. He works hard. And, you know, for the people that are lucky enough to play alongside him or will be able to tell their children they played against Harry Taylor, it's something very special. I think Harry might pull something off this year. He may not only pick up the league's leading goal scorer, he could pick up the JJ Clune medal, but we'll see about that. But he's been a very good player throughout the year. He plays up back, he plays up forward. He does all the things his coach wants him to do, and he's been a real bonus to the competition. And even the opposition shies. I think we all enjoy watching Harry play. It's all great. Glenn, please tell me he wasn't playing up back when he kicked 17 a few months ago for Northampton. No, but uh, he drifts down, as he used to do when he was playing for uh, the Geelong side. He's still capable of doing that. No, he wasn't certainly playing down back that day. But we do have a situation here where we have four very good sides yep. and three sides are outside the four that are battling at the moment. Chapman Valley are the best of them. Then we have Towns and then Mullawar fall away. So it is tough for those sides. When they ever play each other, it's very competitive. When the four sides in the four play, it's anybody's game. The season started 
It looked like Rovers were going to be the next big thing. They looked like Richmond. They were outstanding. They fell away. They lost a few players with injury, lost their way for a while. They may be coming back, but they're only going to play in the first semi-final. Then we had Railways take over, and Railways were at the top of the Premiership table for the rest. And only the last couple of weeks, they've drifted away because they've lost a couple of games. And now Brigades have gone to the top. Brigades have got some very good players. We've got Jaden Schofield, who's a very, very good player, of course, ex-Western Bulldog, ex-Eastree Mantle player. His brother, Kim Schofield's there. Ben O'Brien has come over from the Railways Footy Club, and they are a pretty formidable side. They've had good juniors for a long time, and Brigades are setting themselves up as the form side. They haven't lost a game since round six, so they've done it pretty well. And, of course, we're only a couple of weekends away from the finals getting underway. Mm, Brigades, Northampton at the top there. Uh, Northampton got a little bit of depth as they move into the reserves top and also Railways showing a little bit of form from there with their reserves and Colts. Uh, Brigades, as you mentioned, uh, their Colts are very strong and Northampton and Chapman Valley females, mate, doing very well down there at uh, the the, the female competition where this year you've got all clubs involved in the female competition and women's footy just growing throughout the, the great Northern Football League territory. Yes, the women love their game. They work really hard at it. They practice hard. They train hard. And Northampton and Chapman Valley are standouts in the league this year. Last year, Chapman Valley played Brigades in the women's grand final, and Brigades got over the top. The year prior to that, it was a Railways and Chapman Valley final, and Railways got the game done. But, uh, yeah, Northampton, a very good young side. Chapman Valley also has some very good players. Northampton have got the Teakle uh, girls who are very good. They've got some very good players around the ground. Chapman Valley have got some good players too. Hayley Corlett has come back into the side. She's been playing footy for Subiaco women this year. So she's back into the lineup now. But Chapman Valley, they've been the bridesmaid a couple of times and we'll be interested to see what happens later in the year. But that'll be a really great contest. They have two very good sides who move the ball very well. It's great to have the, the women's content as part of uh, regional WA footy these this day and age. Has it attracted a, a lot more to the footy too, Glenn? Have you noticed the crowds have increased with the support for women's footy too? You do see the crowds increase as the women's footy is played after the senior game here. But that may be changed in future years, but you do see the crowd increase. But I do notice it around club functions. And I'm not saying the women uh, the women get along to the club functions and they provide just a great atmosphere. They're, they're lovely to have around. They are very team-orientated. And to be fair, I'd say most of the women's sides perhaps work and train harder and have more numbers at training than the men do at times. So it's really been a breath of fresh air. And it's lovely to see that they are improving. The quality of the football has really improved markedly over the period. And there are some young players, such as a young girl called Talia Palmer, who plays for Chapman Valley. She is only a youngster. She's only 16 years of age, but she's played footy with the boys all the way through. And now she's the leading goal scorer in the competition. And she's not very big. She's a very, very small player, but a very, very skilled player. And she has ambitions of going on and playing WAFL footy in the not-too-distant future. So we wish her well in that regard. So it is lovely to see. And as these players have more footy, there is a junior competition too in Gerofton, which is very good, yes. an under-16 competition. And that's very, very competitive as well. So as those players get an opportunity to play more footy, we'll see those opportunities grow and the quality of the football improve at the senior level. Absolutely. And how do you go for facilities? I know other parts of the state who have branched out into women's footy, especially, you know, leagues like yourselves who have of that sort of consistency in terms of, you know, the amount of teams that you've got through the goldfields, through the southwest and through other parts of the state. They've had to, 
you know, just work on their own facilities to, to be able to enable the women to come in and get changed, all those sorts of things. How's, how's the facility upgrades going for your clubs? Well, steadily. All the, all the clubs have upgraded and they all have cubicles now, which is nice and great for their security and their personal well-being. But the situation is that at the moment we play the women's the last game of the day so that they have the opportunity to have the change rooms all to themselves. Yep. But the ideal situation would be to have, uh, you know, some more change rooms, but that'll come. That'll be eventually something that'll be developed. But at the moment, they are using the male change rooms and there are cubicles there to, to keep them safe and secure and feel personally uh, well looked after. But, you know, in the future, it would be nice to have, you know, their own change rooms and they could have their own uh, set-ups at each of their clubs. Absolutely. Mate, throwing a cyclone to your season in your 60th, and that's not an easy, easy task, but the way the community's got together, I've seen some footage over the last couple of weeks of how Northampton come together. I'd heard some stories talking to Kane Benson from the WA Football Commission, uh, seeing just exactly how the AFL community and, and those players who are from those particular parts out Northampton Way rallied together. It must have been just a big show of community spirit where football played such a big role, Glenn, to get footy back up and about. It was marvellous, absolutely marvellous, the way it brought the community together. There was a couple of games after the Cyclones where it was probably people still didn't, still didn't have their power on, they had no roofs on their houses, but they were turning up at the footy, talking to the local politicians, but talking to those AFL players you talked about and talking to the local people that are uh, trying to help the community out. So it was wonderful. It brings communities together. We've been saying it for many years, the importance of country footy, but it's certainly underpinned with what on happened with Cyclone Saroja and, you know, the fact that Eastry Mantle, in fact, uh, purchased the goalposts for Northampton, whose Northampton, their goalposts on the ground were, were destroyed and uh, they got the local manufacturer to put up some new goalposts at their expense. So that was a very nice gesture from Eastry Mantle, but it's across the board. People have been very, very giving and working hard and it's great to see local footy clubs doing that. Northampton provided relief for the Cyclone. We've had the Chapman Valley do the MND Day and raise a lot of fun in, a lot of funds. We had the Brigades Footy Club. They did a, a game for breast, uh, for brain cancer research and raised a lot of funds there by shaving a number of players' heads and uh, raising money along the way. And this weekend, we've got a big event happening, the Pink Day out at Rovers, where the Rovers Football Club, the reigning premiers, will wear pink guernseys, pink shorts and pink socks. And those goonsies will be sold off, raising funds for breast cancer awareness, breast cancer research. So it's great to see the clubs not only working for themselves, but working for the community and the greater good across the board. So it's been a real positive year in that regard where clubs haven't only been worrying about their own finances, but they've been looking at bigger issues and trying to help the community in that regard. Yeah, most definitely. And I love the way that sport gets involved in that and it changes a big part of the... Fa- it takes a big part of the fabric to, to get that achieved up and about. You talk about some things that have happened throughout the season and before we look towards the finals. Uh, very quickly, Mazza Kelly Oval named uh, for the Chapman Valley Football Club. What a great honour that was at the start of the season. It is. The Mazza Kelly family are named synonymous with Chapman Valley and we also know the links that they had with the East Fremantle Footy Club. Kevin Mazzucchelli, you mentioned those 35 players that have gone on and played AFL footy. I was lucky enough to see Kevin Mazzucchelli play at his best, and I was actually lucky enough to see him play when he played a handful of games for Eastry Mantle. He was a super player, and not outclassed, or not outgunned by any of the players that have gone on and played AFL footy. I still believe he's the best uh, footballer the GNFL's ever produced. He's an outstanding player, 
And he's still involved in the Chapman Valley Football Club. So too is his brother, Brian, better known as Jimmy Mazzucchelli. And their families are also associated. And it's nothing unusual to see Kevin Mazzucchelli doing the timekeeping or cleaning up around the club. No one would even know who he is, you know. Just a marvellous man. In your voice at the moment, Glenn, I can tell the appreciation, which is outstanding. Um, this weekend, we've just got the two games. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that uh, Rovers have got Chapman Valley and Towns have got Mullawa. Uh, That's Gren- right. Greenwich Oval hosting uh, the Rovers and Chapman Valley game. And then uh, the WA Country Builders Stadium to see Towns and Mullawa. How do you see this weekend's games going with a bit of a, a look back at the start of this particular chat where you said that uh, Mullawa sort of probably having, aren't having the year. Towns aren't having that sort of year either. But when they get together, it's always pretty exciting. Yeah, well, Towns have played in, you know, 14, I think, of the last 20 grand finals and, and won most of them. You know, they've been a powerhouse. And really, unfortunately for them, those players have all just got to that age where they are falling away a little bit. Rowan Farris is still a super player. Uh, Scott, uh, Stuart Gaby is still a, a super player. But they've got a young crop of players. And a lot of those players have been doubling up. They've got a pretty competitive cult side. A lot of those 10 or 11 or 12 or 13 of theirs have made their debut this year. So Towns are on the rebuilding phase. Mullerwell just have a lack of numbers at the moment and they, you know, work really hard. They've really tried hard. Although they've had some big hidings, they still kick their six to eight to ten goals a week. They continue to work hard. Their efforts have been good, but they just lack the depth. So you'd expect Towns to be good enough to win that game. The other game is the big pink day out at Greenough Oval. Chapman Valley and Rovers. Rovers back in good form last weekend with a 21-point win over Railways. Rovers are still a pretty formidable side. They're going to finish in the first semi-final. Only a couple of sides have ever gone on from the first semi-final to win a grand final. But if there's a side that can do it, it's probably Rovers because they are a very good side. They've got some good players and uh, you wouldn't underrate them and they'll be too good for Chapman Valley. And Chapman Valley, on the other hand, are coming along in a steady way too. They've got some very good young players. Probably games played, they're probably under 20 or 30, most of them. They've only got a couple of senior players. Paul Sorensen, their captain, he's been around for a long time, a super player. But after that, they fall away because there is, there's a big age gap. Uh, I think the average age of Chapman Valley would probably be 19. Uh, very, very young side. And, uh, you know, they're just getting games into them at the moment. They still need four or five good players, but they're only four or five good players away from being a very competitive side. And the way they've been building up over the last couple of years is a good situation for them. Does the opportunity to catch Harry Taylor and his 71 goals prevent, uh, present itself, I should say, as brigades take on railways the following week? We've got Harry, who's right up there at the top with 71 goals at the moment. Next behind him is Dale Williamson from brigades on 61. Well, will Harry be held? Well, you wouldn't think so. Against Towns, you'd expect him to kick a bag, in fact. Brigade Dale Williamson, he's been out for the last couple of weeks. He had a bit of a, a quad strain, so he's been held back. So he hasn't been able to play, so he hasn't been able to add to his tally. And I think uh, he's only about 17 goals away from Dale Baines's record as the highest leading goal scorer, Dale Williamson. So he's got a lot of work to do. He may not get it done this year, but when he returns next year, he's had two knee reconstructions, done a power of work to get back in the footy, and uh, he deserves to be recognised a great player, Dale Williamson. But I think Harry Taylor will continue on his merry way. But yeah, that game between Brigades and Railways will be an interesting one. Railways, who have been sitting on top of the Premiership table, have drifted down and they've had a really hard road. They played Railways 
uh, played Rovers that last week and lost that game. The week before, they played Northampton and lost that one. So they really can't afford to lose against Brigades next weekend. But if all goes well. I still think uh, Railways will probably end up in the first semi-final. And I think Brigades and Northampton will play off in the second semi-final. But of course, Railways, if they can make something happen next week, they probably can make, uh, make it there. But it, it looks unlikely at this stage. Glenn, great rap. Always good to have a chat to you. I know how passionate you are about the GNFL and I know how passionate you are about footy in the community, but it's great to have you on our podcast to have a chat to and find out a bit more about what's happening with the GNFL. Like I say, we've been meaning to catch up over the last few weeks, but we've been pushed away a little bit from some other things that have been happening. Of course, we've got to cover off all of the leagues from right up in the uh, the East Kimberley all the way through to the Esperance District Football Association, mate. But we got to the GNFL and we really thank you for your time on our podcast today. Well, it's great that you're giving us an opportunity. It's great to talk about our wonderful competition. It's been a pretty interesting year, and I think the finals are going to be extra special with four very good sides playing off. Our final guest for today's podcast and to week five of our WA Country Footy podcast, we head to the Central Midlands Coastal Football League. They are a very proud league. And I've got a couple of strange questions that have popped up in some research on the CMCFL. But Dale Simmons is here to give us all of the rundown of what's happening. He is the media man on the board with the CMCFL. Dale, good to have a chat to you and great to spread the word of the CMCFL, mate. Good to speak here and looking forward to... um <laughs> All right, I want to find out. Now, you've got this league, right, the the uh, Central Midlands Coastal Football League, but then I see on your ladder that you've got both, obviously, your teams that are part of your, your normal league, but then you've thrown in Mortlock as well. Just explain a little bit for those who are not familiar with it, but how this crossover works between Mortlock and CMCFL. Okay, so a couple of years back, um, Central Midlands Coastal only had five teams um, since the two Mora teams merged in 2013, um, and we were left with five teams. So very hard to play a season, lots of buys. Um, so we wanted to come up, we wanted more games of footy. And the Mortlock Football League, our neighbour, um, has seven teams. So what we sort of came up with, how about when they have a buy and we have a buy, instead of doing Garden of the Pisses, um, let's play footy um, and put a couple of games in. So we got we worked got together with the Mortlock Footy League um, and said, okay, we'll play two crossover games. So each team in the both leagues will have two games, one one in the Mortlock Football League and one in the Central Midlands Coastal Football League. Randomly chosen teams, obviously um, that, that makes 14 games for us and 17 games for, for the Mortlock. So it just gives us a couple of more games and less buys. So that's what we wanted to do. A lot of travelling. We've got hockey and netball too. Early start, um, but obviously, you know, we had some great sport. A lot of distance. Um, it, ha- it had some troubles this year, just with not playing a season, then going straight back into it. Um, and the season we had 10, 10 pitches in a row, but um, they were highly successful. Big crowds. Um, I know the game at Savannah. Lingry came over to my home club, and uh, massive crowd there. Long weekend. They all. Stayed in the motel, booked out accommodation. We had bands, um, cracking game of footy, four points. Uh, hockey was a great game, netball, great game. Um, and obviously, that concept worked. And um, obviously, so what happens is if they win the game, which they didn't, but the points go on their ladder. If we win them, they go on our ladder. So the confusing part for you probably is that you've seen that 2J has two wins that are actually 
think they're in fifth spot in Ralada yeah, because they won. They, they won both their games. They beat Savannah in the Thriller at 2J um, up there in May and then knocked off Lancelot on, on, on a rough day on the coast. So they won both their games, so they've got eight points. So, And it's just a sporting pulse sort of can't get them off the ladder once you've um, allocated the win. They're on your ladder. So um, if you look at Durian Bay there, you'll have a bit of a giggle. Yes, um, they're, well, they're down the bottom there. Um, Unfortunately, they haven't won a game all year. No, so they've played 14 games, and two days only played two games in our league, and these two games are going to be in front of them. Yep. So probably won't, we won't go give that too much uh, air time, but... Um, yeah, so that's how it is, and um, obviously we, we go into our finals um, this weekend, and they go into their finals this weekend, and um, yeah, just 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 the concept of playing more games of footies and uh, not not having a bye, trying I like to make some buys. Yeah, I like it. And also, it obviously helps with fitness. It helps with keeping the clubs together. And when you're a, a smaller team comp, um, it just helps keep the wheels turning for everyone as well, mate. And then, you know, it keeps people invigorated. It does. It does. And um, and it's probably the way of the future. On, especially with leagues close together like us, um, unfortunately, has been the trend over the last 25 to 30 years, teams are going to fall away. And when teams fall away, um, we're going to have to travel greater distances to maintain country footy. Mm. So it, it, we, we may have a Super League with the Mortlock in 10 to 15 years um, with, with teams coming into our league or us joining them. That's just the way it's going to be. So it's sort of like the blueprint for that, really, in the trial. Now, now, you guys were one of the first leagues, if I stand corrected, last year who said, look, we're going to try for a season, but it's not going to happen. You, you put your stamp of authority on it pretty quickly. How? I just want to go back for that for two seconds because it's the first time we could probably yep. talk a bit about it being being one of those front runner leagues. I suppose having to make a decision. Uh, yep. You exhausted your options, Dale. I mean, uh, you had to be realists towards the end of it. And yep. you know, when you've got a small team comp, is it worth the small amount of games that you had to get up and about before seeding, before all those other things that are affecting some of your inland teams? Um, but at the same time, yep. you've, you've got to look about the sustainability of the comp. Am I right in those assumptions? Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. So what happens is when there's too much uncertainty, and the three teams on the coast, Savannah, Durian Bay. And Lansdowne have a different financial model to, say, Dandarig and Amora, who, who um, run their finances through cropping programs. So they're quite financial before the season starts. Whereas Savannah, Durian and Lansdowne um, obviously rely on um, people coming through the gate, functions during the season, um, you know, Easter, Easter time fundraising, band, cab raise, et cetera, et cetera. Too much uncertainty there. Um, and we looked, at the, we looked at all club finances. And we will just, with with a reliance on a lot of travelling players in the league, let's not let's not um, look past that. There's a lot of travelling players in the league um, of all sports. Um, so we wanted to make sure that by playing, it didn't financially impact those clubs. We believe that the clubs would come back stronger um, with a year off and not put under that financial pressure of trying to play in that environment where we didn't know if we were allowed to have crowds. We didn't know if we were allowed to grandma and grandpa could come and watch the juniors. We didn't know if we could have them. Um, we couldn't just flick a switch to Annie, Durian, or Lance, or Mora. People aren't there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like Durant Week. It's the people are waiting. You can just go, right, they're playing now, and everyone's there. Um, everyone, a lot of people travel from outside the area. So we had to make a decision quickly. And also, well, one of the reasons we did it, we wanted to give all the players the option of going to another league or another club. Don't, we didn't want to hang on at the last minute and then pull the pin on them. 
um, and, the, and leave people floundering. So a lot of our players went up to the um, North Midlands Football League. They had a great season. Um, out to the uh, where else did they go? A few other Eastern Districts. A few boys went. A few boys played in the city. Um, and we've come back stronger, yep. stronger and better. And, I, and everyone's financial, and we, and we feel seven. Most clubs have got seven teams um, in, in 2021. So that decision has been justified. Great. That, that's exactly what my question was. Was that decision justified moving forward? What I do want to talk about moving forward was a change between 2019 and 2021, and that is that the venue for the grand final will be hosted and shared around alphabetically for the first time. Now, um, I can understand the processes behind this one, but uh, for those who are traditionalists of the game, I know other leagues do it religiously and have probably done since day dot, but when you go to change this philosophy with within your own competition and your league, it's a big step but one that is into fruition for this year. And, uh, well, look, some people have understood it. Others might just see a little bit of smoke in between. But uh, at the end of the day, it's got to be a good result. That's going to keep sustainable clubs, as you mentioned there, those those coastal clubs still involved in the competition. For sure, for sure. So, obviously, more has had a stranglehold on the, on the uh, grand final. Um, magnificent venue. Let's not, let's not forget about that. More has got the best service in the WA when, when, when it's dry. Um, Beautiful grandstand there that's been there for 50 years. Um, just a little bit of history behind it. At the start of the year, um, the grandstand was condemned. Um, at, uh, so I got some independent people to come and look at it. Obviously, then they said it's got concrete problems. It's broke off, can't be used, changing it underneath. So it left it left the situation where more then didn't have adequate change room. Um, so it forced us into a situation to, to start obviously looking around to say well, maybe it isn't the place for the grand final because there's more things needed, just like a good surface. Um, and it uh, went around in alphabetical order. Um, starts at Savannah from September the 4th. Zandarigan next, obviously. Um, and, yeah, just gives every club the chance to um, raise funds. Um, they, get the, they get the bar and the canteen. Obviously, the, the league gets the gate at all finals, pays all the expenses. But, yeah, Savannah will go first. And it's also a chance for the, both communities too, not just not just the footy clubs, yep. but the business, business in those towns that support football and put their hand in their pocket. Um, they get, they get to showcase um, their businesses and their community to to everyone else, you know. So, um, yeah, all grounds are all grounds are, are good enough to host um, home and away fixtures. So they're basically all good enough to host grand finals. So you have to meet a few strict guidelines to tick off, you know, fencing around temporary fencing and all that sort of stuff. So that you don't just get the grand final thrown at you. You've got to tick the boxes too with the, with the Central Midlands Coastal Footy League and make sure that you can adequately staff the, the venues and make sure it's a success as well. So Absolutely. So a bit of onus on the clubs, which obviously helps too, because if you, you want to reap the reward, well, a little bit of effort does help too. Exactly, exactly. And I know from our point of view, um, I, I rang the uh, Dan Derrigan Shire and said, the venue's got the grand final. And um, they've been down the oval for the last month, running around like little ants, doing all the little jobs, um, getting the ground up to the required level, putting in new posts, um, yeah, just do, moving the scoreboard, you know, just all those jobs that probably um, never had to do or we didn't need to do them. Because um, the Shire did a fantastic job uh, over the years of presenting the Moor Oval. So it just gives, you know, you the club's a chance now to improve their facilities. Um, you know, Dan Darrigan's got the grand final coming up. They'll, 
the Shire will then will turn their attention onto the Dandarrigan Open 2022 and make sure that that's looked after in readiness for 2022. Great so stuff. It's, it's win-win for everyone. Definitely, and for the community as well. Mate, I want to talk about the season now. Let's talk about some footy. We've talked about a bit of admin and a bit more of the league sort of sense, but having the Lacroix boys back, Mark and Brent Lacroix back for Savannah's, I think they've played in three games now. Was it last week that they both booted about six or? Yeah, uh, yeah. Half unbelievable. A dozen, half, a dozen, yeah. half a dozen each, yeah. So Brent, Brent's um, obviously 39 years of age, uh, had a fantastic career at West Perth and, uh, and uh, came back in 2013, retired in 2016, but obviously had three half seasons in, in the last five years. He was definitely done, but obviously his little brother um, got, him, got him off the couch to jump in the goal square, so he's frantically been trying to get fit enough to kick a few goals. He kicked, kicked 16 in the first game, of his first game back, and... Uh, yeah, six last weekend um, with his little brother. Cervantes and Dan Darrigan take each other on in the first semi-final coming up this week, as you mentioned. But uh, an interesting stat you mentioned to me because you are a stats nut, uh, and that is yeah. that this is the first time in about 19 years Cervantes haven't finished top two. Yes, that is. Yeah, since 2002. So first semi-final is very foreign for Cervantes. Um, yeah, and it's, so Cervantes and Dandy will, will battle off this weekend. And yeah, it's 19 years. Mora finishes um, top of the ladder, and it's 19 years since um, the Mora Warriors football club and the Mora Rovers finished one too. So maybe an open there for Mora. Um, they played off in the grand final, and Mora Warriors won the premiership. So if you're superstitious um, and follow that, maybe it's the year of the Mora Mavericks. Oh, well, you never uh, know. You into, never know. Into their first grand final. Well, they're in their first, second, first, second semi final and uh, finished on top. So. Um, they're, they're flying, the Mavericks, in both grades. In all grades, we've got seven teams in the second semi-final, so um, can't do much better than that. No, that is outstanding. Mate, just with goal kickers, Jordan Adamson, though, Lancel and Ledge Point, uh, 49 goals for the season. Kyle Murray on 38 from Mora, so we'll see Kyle during the final series. Uh, yep. But uh, Lancel and Ledge Point there, 49 goals for Jordan Adamson. And I just want to shout out as well to, to Jim Hamilton from Mora and Jason as well from Lancel. And, uh, Jason's on 32 Jim's on 48 in the reserves as well because the reserves, as we know, Dale, are the unsung heroes. Um, it's a great opportunity to get them up there, Jason Barrett as well as Jim Hamilton, Mitchell Nash, Robert Worrell and Michael Netherway as well, just rounding out the top five for a bit of love for the Rezies. Yeah, no, I definitely love the Rezies. Country footy, um, your, own, your club only as strong as your Rezies. Um, <laughs> don't worry about the league. I know everyone goes to 2.15 to watch the, watch the big game. But if you haven't got numbers in your resis and you haven't got kids coming through your resis, um, you're in trouble. So um, it's, a, it's really important that you, that, uh, you know, your resis keep the club together, um, provide a lot of, I do the umpiring in the resis, um, provide a lot of entertainment. A lot of people um, go to watch the resis, the ones that could do it, should have done it, or used to be able to do it. It's fun watching and try and do it, if you know what I mean. I do know um, exactly what you mean, mate. Don't you worry about that. Before we name and shame today, let's move on very quickly. Uh, mate, uh, the the end of the year and the, the medals and the presentation nights are all just around the corner. Who can we see probably feature, uh, just off the top of your head, some of those players whose name might be engraved onto whether it be respective clubs or for league events? Yeah, so well, Maura's got, Maura will have a host of, they've got a host of good players. They've only... I think they won 11 games, had a draw, lost to Savannah's once and Dan Darrigan once. So they're dominant. And you can look at, you know, Adam Cocky played state country the other night. Mm. Their, their coach, um, 
uh, Lockie Glassford, um, he'll be up there. Um, who else have they got in that midfield? There's about three or four midfielders there. Kurt Tanner, he's got unbelievable pace. You see him. For Lancelin, um, they've had a fantastic season too. Uh, Jordan Adamson-Holmes, um, obviously uh, great forward, played good footy for Subiaco probably 10 years ago, but um, down in the southwest, he's made his way to Lancelin. He's a, he's a good player. He'll, he'll, he'll get votes. Um, Trent Jackson, the joint winner in 2019 for Pirates, he, he'll, he'll get votes. Jacob Green from the Cerny Footy Club, uh, 6 to 27 goals in the midfield, um, played state country with Adam Tocchi down there at Fremantle the other night. He he will should should poll a lot of votes um, for the Savannah Footy Club. He'll be, be the number one uh, vote getter from there. Um, Dan Darrigan, um, yeah, Todd Kenny, um, Tom Gook will be up there for Dandy. Um, Hamish Rogers and for Durian Bay. Disappointed didn't win the game, but um, very hard to get on the voting card when you're losing goals by games by 30 goals. But Noel Mancavini, uh, Junior Mancavini from Durian, was a standout player. Um, disappointed we didn't go to Country Week um, lockdown. Um, he would have been sensational at Country Week, Central Midlands Coastal. Um, he'll he'll lead the votes for Durian Bay. Outstanding, mate. Hey, Dale, always good to catch up with you and always good to hear about what's happening in the Central Midlands Coastal Football League. A, a very strong league, as we, we've heard, and a bit of a times of change at the moment with Moore and Cervantes just flipping the coin between each other in season 2021. I look forward to hearing some further details of the finals coming out this week and then obviously to heading towards your grand finals on the 4th of September. Or thereabouts, is it? I think yep, we're on the 4th, 4th of September. Yep, yep. we're on the 4th of September. Lovely. Thanks, no. Thanks very much, Glenn. Uh, pleasure, Dale, and always good to hear from you, mate. And also we look forward to helping to support the WA Country Football League as well as we move into the final series. This is the WA Country Footy Podcast. That comes to an end for week five of the WA Country Footy Podcast. We're into finals, as we've mentioned. Good luck to all of the teams. There's a couple of rounds left for many leagues. Some are already hitting their finals. Others are done and dusted for the year. So congratulations to everyone who is making finals in their particular league and wherever it is that you are tuned into our podcast. We always welcome you to get in touch. There's an email address for you in our show bio, which is news at industrylinkmedia.com. That helps pass on all of the information that's going on around your club and your organisation. It's how we got hold of Fetties to find out more about Bully's 350th game, which is truly remarkable this weekend. And he's done his hamstring earlier on in the uh, the year, but he's still managing to salute come this year too, which is uh, absolutely outstanding. A great opportunity to hear from Bully earlier today on the podcast as well, or wherever it is that you listen back, because you can listen back at any time, really. I don't know if you've worked that out with podcasts. You can listen now, you can listen later, you can listen on your way home, you can listen on the way to work, you can listen when you're driving around in circles in your paddock driving up and down mines in the Pilbara and the Goldfield, wherever. You know, it, it's such a diverse thing, these podcasts. I digress. Congratulations to this week's West Coast Poly Player of the Week from the Esperance Football and Sporting Club. Kane Buckley is the 2021 Hepburn medalist. Great little photo of him and league coach Darren Hassel as well on the Facebook page for the WA Country Footy League. Don't forget there is a WA Country Footy League survey as well. Get that completed. You could be in the running for a new set of jumpers for your club. It's $2,000 to go towards a new set. That always comes in very, very handy. And don't forget that survey to be completed online closes on the 30th of August. And that is there to, to help and to assist plenty of uh, research that goes into country footy as well. Hey, also, we sent out a cheerio to uh, to Kane, but there was another cheerio that we needed to send one out to winning the Gascoigne Football Association Fairest and Best, Fraser Daly, during 
during the week as well. That wraps up our podcast for today. Don't forget to subscribe. That ensures that you can hear every podcast episode, when it happens, how it happens, and almost as it happens as well. You can subscribe through your particular podcast provider. My name is Glenn Wilson. They call me Glennie, and this is the WA Country Footy League Podcast.